Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Welcome, everybody, to Martha Norwalk's Animal World. It is the last Sunday of the month, which means that Martha is off today. My name is Kevin McDonald, and this is Positive Talk Sunday. And it's we're working to uplift our the human animal, and I've got a great show for you tonight, or today. Um, and I hope that you will stay with us for the entire three hours. I've got three really cool guests that have all been on my podcast, which is, of course, my Independence Report. And they've done a really nice job, and they've got, got some really cool books that, that uh, we want to talk about. And they're just, they're just really dynamic people. So I'm looking forward to talking to each of them in turn. We have uh, uh, Brent in the first hour, and then we've got uh, uh, Georgina in the second hour, and Annabelle Bugatti, I love saying Bugatti, in the third hour. So we're gonna we're gonna do that, but first I have to introduce uh, the the gentleman that that makes us go, makes us happy, and makes everything work well. And that's Nathan. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Kevin. I wish I could drive a Bugatti. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's why you're having fun saying it. I, it is because I can't own one, but it would be nice to. Uh, you mean there actually is a car called Bugatti? Yeah, the Bugatti Veyron at one time was the fastest car in the world. It had like a thousand horsepower. It was insane. Oh my God! Really? So, well, I can't afford that. I never could anyway. So, <laughs> of so course, I'm, it's Italian made, so it's going to be a very high price mark. Oh, of course, of course. Well, so you, we've had you've had an interesting month there at the station with with uh, Snowgeddon 2021. Snowgeddon 2021. It felt like it was worse than 2019, but then I looked back on 2019, and we actually had more snow accumulation that year than this year so it's kind of a different type of contrast from 2021 versus 2019 yeah it was uh now it wasn't as cold this time around because if i remember 2019 it was really cold Mm -hmm. and so we had snow and then it melted a little bit then we had a layer of ice underneath that then we got more snow and it hung around for about a week week yep that stayed a long time and in fact i remember seeing some snow Mounds from the snow plows lasting up until the summer in parts of my neighborhood. Oh wow! Really? That's that's amazing. That 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 that's a lot. So speaking of which, what's the weather going to look like for us for this week? In case anybody would like to know, since you you make the weather happen. Well, good news is it looks like no more snow in at least the near future. I don't think we'll even see any more for the remainder of the year we're going to be warming up actually up to the mid 50s by later on this week but for today expect a cloudy day with a high near 50 and slight chance of rain tomorrow but definitely temperatures are warming back up as we enter into spring holy crap tomorrow's march it is and you know what today is um first day of baseball the first day of spring training, Mariners are going to be taking the field today. And you know, you know what I like about the Mariners is 
this particular day is the last day that we can have hope that they're going to win the the uh, pennant. <laughs> Sounds like every year, right? <laughs> exactly. We now we now have they haven't played yet. We haven't seen anybody, but now this is as close as they're going to get to the pennant. I, I, that's just they've been they've been bad for so many years. And anyway, we're not. <laughs> We're not going to delve into that. Um, but, uh, the, by the way, this is Martha Norwalk's Animal World. If you want to uh, go to MarthaNorwalk.com, you can listen via uh, um, um, Skype. No, uh, via um, – we, we stream live. That's what I'm trying to say. So you can go to MarthaNorwalk.com, and if you look in the right-hand corner, it'll say listen live, and you click on that, and you can – and this show can be heard anywhere in the world. So we can have a bunch of people but listen to it for fun. And this in this particular episode, we've got some really cool people. So um, I think you should pay attention to this one. Now, all these guys, like I said, have been on uh, uh, my independence report. So I actually know a little bit about them and know what they're talking about, So, which is really kind of unique for me. So that's good. Um, now, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, um, um, Mr. Nathan, mm -hmm. are you, I, I don't know. Are you a scientist? Are you, did you have a scientific background at all? I mean, waveforms, uh, audio that involves the science. I mean, well, yeah. I could be a scientist with sound. I want you to know that, that there are three people on the line and one of us is a world renowned scientist who developed DNA to help millions of people. Now, would that be you? No, absolutely not. It's not me either. So my, <laughs> it must be Brent Scatterfield, and he's <laughs> he's on the Zoom with us today. Brent, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing great, Kevin. It's, it's awesome to have you here. Now, we're, we have you for a specific purpose other than your scientific background, but I want to uh, delve into that a little bit because I think it's just fascinating what you, what you, what you accomplished. You, you helped develop a DNA programming to, to, to find diseases. Is that right? Uh, something along those lines. So the, the testing technologies <laughs> to help find diseases, yes. I, I appreciate you dumbing yourself down to talk to someone like me about about scientific stuff because it's 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 I'm telling you it's it's beyond my capabilities. So explain what it is exactly that you do. So all those shows like in the crime scene investigation where the, the police go and collect DNA and, and use that to find the bad guy, they're using a technology known as the polymerase chain reaction PCR. And what it does is basically takes a piece of DNA, amplifies it up to a level that you can see what it is, detect it. Um, and I've developed technologies in that, in that arena that have made the process far more specific, far more sensitive. And I did that with the intent of trying to bring the technology into the developing world, not to detect bad guys, but to detect HIV, detect hepatitis, like all these different viruses and diseases that afflict people in countries around the world. Wow. Let's see. That's And that's why I wanted to get that out there to talk a little bit about your scientific background because uh, we wanted to talk about that so that we could talk about this, which is the book that you've recently written called Bringing Heaven Home. Describe a little bit about that book and where it came from. Well, it's a little different than my scientific background because it uh -huh. goes into the, the spiritual realm. <laughs> but, 
the, the two are probably more connected than we often give them credit for. So I, in my adult life, all this time that I've been working on these, these scientific inventions, there was a point in time where I started having experiences with the other side. Um, spontaneous out-of-body experiences, kind of like where you, you hear somebody dies and they have an experience with heaven and they come back. And I had not just one of those, but a series of them. And each one gave me a, a completely different perspective on this life that we live in, on God, on reality, than anything that I'd been taught growing up. So I, I got to ask you, because the last time we talked uh, and I asked you then, but uh, I'll get a little bit more specific, is like, okay, so like, how did you know to do that? Who taught you that? Was it was it just, you know, an angel came down and tapped you on the head with a wand? Did Nathan, you know, show you something about audio files that could help you? That how, how did you do that? <laughs> I don't know if that's something that you learn how to do. But I appreciate the question. <laughs> so my first experience um, did not happen with a, a death-related um, type event. It actually was associated with a woman who had died four different times and come back. And her first time, she died in a plane crash. And then the subsequent times, she died several more times due to, due to uh, complications, from the injuries she sustained in that plane crash. And each time she saw God had understandings given to her and came back. And in her case, one of the gifts that she came back with from the other side was the ability to help others cross over and have similar experiences without having to die to get there. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that, that's really cool. Now, first of all, that's a really bad day right there when you when you, get into, when you get into an accident and you die four times. And now, did they have to bring her back all four times? Or? So, so they weren't all on the same day. Uh, the first time, I mean, obviously, it was because of the plane crash itself. The other times, she'd suffered so much damage to her neck that uh, occasionally, if she moved in the wrong direction, like the neck would slip and it would cause her to, I, I don't know the, the, the medical terms for this. Ironically, being a doctor, that, that's not the kind of doctor that I am. Um, but her neck would slip and cause complications leading to her dying again. Gee whiz. That's, that, that would be a horrible existence, not knowing if you move your neck the wrong way, that, <laughs> that if you, you're, you're going to expire at any given time. That, that's that's kind of tough. But uh, it's, it's a... Go ahead. Oh, it's a mixed bag. I, yeah. I mean, because she obviously she didn't like that the pain and the other things that came from from that side of it, but I, she seemed to relish the opportunity to go back to the other side. She enjoyed that part of it. So let's talk about the other side a little bit. The first time that you went there, were you surprised? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm assuming there's more to that question, but but yes. <laughs> Well, well, there's, I, you go ahead and expound upon why you were surprised. So the, the biggest thing, and I don't know how many of, of your listeners come out of uh, different religious backgrounds, but I'm assuming even those who, who had no religious upbringing, there's kind of this imagination of what it would be like to, to talk to God or what, what that would entail. And for me, I always, I always had this understanding that God was kind of serious and that that in this life, there were certain things that we had to do to be, to be worthy, to, to talk to God, to have an interaction that would be joyful. 
Um, and what I was most surprised at in that space was that the, the love was just unlike anything that, that we have in this world. We talk about the word love, word love, and so many people in different spiritual paths might refer to heaven or God or the divine as, as being this loving um, entity. And yet we have no experience in this life to help us understand what that even means, because all of our use of the word love, I mean, starting with our parents, it's, it's in this very conditional space where you do something good. Your parents like give you big hugs. They love you. They shower you with praise. You do something bad. They frown at you. They spank you or, or whatever it is that they do. And I think there's this expectation that around God, that if God loves us, that that love is similar, that, that we have to measure up to it, earn it. But my experience there was that it was absolutely liberating, completely. Um, it's almost the opposite of how we describe love here. You know, it's interesting because um, one of the things I like to do uh, when I'm talking to people is say, okay, give me your definition of love. <laughs> and and people have the toughest days like, uh uh, what do you mean definition of love? Love is, you know, like I love. It's like when people don't get, you know, so it's like when you start thinking about it really in depth, what does love mean? Finding a definition for it, we, we have trouble with that. At least I do. Yeah. <laughs> Most people do. <laughs> so, so when you when you uh, now you know what Nathan's going to do is he's going to look it up on uh, on Expedia or something and find the end uh, or or uh, the dictionary and then he can give me a definition of love. But I don't really I really don't have any idea. So the to experience love at that level must be must have been shocking and and surprising. Absolutely, it's. Because we're not talking, I mean, the feeling is still there. I mean, I know everybody loves to associate love with a feeling, but this isn't like the kind of love that you have with a romantic partner. It's not the kind of love that you have with a friend. It's not the kind of love you have with a parent. It's, it's a different kind of love where, yes, the feeling is there and it's important. Your, your soul is on fire <laughs> in a manner of speaking. There, there is a sense of being electrified in absolute bliss and, but the, the feeling, and I don't think I've ever actually thought about it in this way since you asked this question, but the feeling itself isn't really what makes it feel like love. Um, the bliss is almost like a, a side note compared to this sense of knowing that you are absolutely accepted and that nothing that you could ever do would ever change that, that the you are completely, absolutely accepted. And it's it's funny because like, I don't know, my whole life, I, I never really thought about it, but there was this assumption that if you were to ever be loved in that way, that, well, then there'd be nothing to keep you from going and doing those things that you, th that you think of as being bad. And it actually turns out it's the opposite, that the moment that you realize that there is nothing that you can ever do to be unloved, then the only thing you want to do <laughs> is to rest in that space, to... Um, it it's encourages you to be your best self, but not because you'll ever be not accepted, but just because it, it, you feel that absolute acceptance. So there's no more reason to do anything other than what causes your heart to completely open. And, and so that love there is this feeling of, of being accepted in a way that causes your heart to open. You know, I can't tell you 
how many times I've talked to people that have said, you know, well, if there is no judgment, if there is no negative side, then what's to keep you from being like the worst human being on the face of the planet? And uh, um, I guess the answer to that would be, if you are loved completely and totally, you don't want to be the bad, baddest person on the face of the planet. You want to do good. It almost seems like all that acting out is really just to see, are you truly loved? And so the question is, how much acting out do you need to do to get down to that space to realize there's nothing you can do to no longer be loved, at least by heaven? I mean, here in this world, we have plenty of people that are willing to reflect back to us that, <laughs> okay, you're a terrible person. But <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, and Nathan uh, uh, sent me a text and he said, uh, I attended a conference where the keynote speaker said, choosing the highest good for the other person is what love is. Um, but debatable, I think. It's it's a better definition than some. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still not, I don't think, equal to what I experienced in heaven, but yes. <laughs> That's that's right. So so now I want to get into this in depth. By the way, we're talking with Brent Scatterfield. Brent, if they want to buy your Satterfield. Book, Satterfield. Why do I call you Scatterfield? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well. You know, what do you do? Um it's uh, Brent Satterfield, and uh, he's written the book "Bringing Heaven Home." That you can pick that up at Amazon, and uh, we're, it's pretty much everywhere, isn't it? Well, it's everywhere on Amazon. Which, which. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long has the book been out now? It's been out at just over a month. See, it's a brand new baby book, and it just came out, and so it's 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 really is exciting to have you here. So we're gonna we're gonna spend. Uh, um, I don't know why I called you Scatter. Anyway, Satterfield, <laughs> Doctor Brent Satterfield is his name, and and we're gonna go ahead and take our first break of the day, and I'll let Nathaniel. Oh God, I did it again. Almost had Nathan, to press the button again. <laughs> I know. Uh, I have a friend named Nathaniel, and and I tend to call. Nathan Nathaniel and Nathaniel Nathan and they both get mad at me for that I don't know why um, but I just don't call me late for dinner uh, but uh, I you know I, we're going to take a break and when we come back I'm going to ask the good doctor to kind of walk us through what experiences he had while he was on the other side and kind of give us a, a thorough uh, understanding of what what that all was like for him. So you're listening to Martha Norwalk's Animal World on KKNW, 11:50 a.m. And welcome back to Martha Norwalk's Animal World. It's the last Sunday of the month, which means Martha is at Choich, and I am here on her behalf. And this is Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald. That's me, by the way. And uh, we're here to talk about the human animal, the human existence, and what what goes on with all of us. Got a great show for you today. Um, we have uh, uh, Brent, who's here. I'm not even going to say his last name because I slaughter it. Uh, Brent, who's here, and then uh, Dr. Brent. And then uh, we've got George, Georgia um, Woodbine, who is a motiva motivational speaker. And then in the third hour, we've got Annabelle Bugatti, and she is a certified family counselor. So if you want to have your family counseled, she can do that. And she's in Vegas, so they've got lots of work down there um, in the city, city of Sin and to do that. And uh, um, and by the way, during the break, um, but I want to make sure that everybody understands that 
This type of radio was funded by the advertisers, and the advertisers are very important. Martha has done a great job of vetting each of us. I'm an advertiser on her show. I love advertising on her show. It's been very successful for my business, which is positive, or which is uh, my independence report. And I've, it's it's doing very well. And Nels Rasmussen was also there. He's a animal energy healer. And uh, I'll go look at his his uh, website and and go talk to him because he can. He's got videos. And and Nathan, you can help me here. But he's got videos, as I understand it, of before and afters of what happens when he works with an animal. Yeah, he posts those on YouTube, and his website is healingministryforanimals.com. And if you click through that, you can see like his introductory video on the uh, homepage of the website. And just clicking on that little thumbnail will bring him to his YouTube page as well. And then we also heard from Martha Norwalk, who is the uh, proprietor of this year's show. And she is a animal behavioral therapist and does a great job working with animals. And you can give her a call. She's kind of on a modified schedule because of the COVID, but give her a call. And if you guys can work it out, she can work with you. And go to MarthaNorwalk.com, and you can learn all about her and current events. And, and she's got uh, tons of articles and stuff that you can go through. It really is a good thing. Okay. We're talking with Dr. Brent Satterfield, and he (laughs) he is an amazing man. He is a scientist. He created uh, and works with, I don't know if you didn't create DNA, but you, 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 you helped understand how to make DNA help people understand how to make DNA work for uh, diseases and that kind of things. Then you're working with people worldwide. Is that, is that true? Or am I slaughtering you again? You were doing a wonderful job giving me credit for inventing DNA and diseases at the same time. So I'm, <laughs> I'm thrilled. <laughs> very, very good. It's, it's, it, works, it, works, it works for me. So <laughs> anyway, we're talking with him because he's written the book and it's only been out a month. Uh, bringing heaven home. Um, we were never meant to be alone is the sub, uh, title to that. I, and I just love that. Um, so I want to talk to you about it, it kind of an in-depth, what happened to you when you went to the other side? I know you talked to God, you talked to Jesus and, and you got kind of a, well, you tell us what kind of information did they give you? So, in everybody's experience when they go to the other side is incredibly unique. And I, I think the, the a big part of my experiences is not is that I didn't just have one, but I had a series, which coming back from one of these experiences, there's this sense of, of having seen everything and this thought of, oh, wow, anybody else who goes to the other side, they're going to see the same thing or they're going to see similar things. And then, but, but in having multiple experiences, becoming aware that heaven is just so much bigger than the picture that anybody in this world has ever painted of it. And that there are elements that we might recognize from our, our different religions and understandings, but it's just so much bigger than all those pictures. And so in having a conversation with Jesus, having a conversation with God, the, what that they, what they were sharing with me wasn't necessarily a message for you know everybody else. It was it was a message very personal to me about my own life, uh, giving me understanding of the different experiences I went through. I know most of us in this life, if not all of us, have had 
experiences that we wish we hadn't had <laughs> experiences that are just very hard and tough. And you think psychologically, I don't know if I'm ever going to make it through this. And so <clears throat> having an experience with heaven, uh, very often, and at least for me, it was this way. There was this experience of going into those, those moments in my life that had been difficult, seeing them and understanding them in a whole different light and where, where they no longer felt burdensome or painful, but they felt um, there was almost a joy and a gratitude in those hardest moments in life. And even in the, the, the places where you look back and think, oh, I wish I hadn't made that choice um, <clears throat> to be able to look back and see it and go, oh, my goodness. That was the most beautiful choice I've made in my whole life <laughs> because it, there was this connection between the, the really difficult moments in this life and the immense joy that was on the other side. And so in the, the explanations, the biggest part of what I was taught just had to do with my own life and understanding in a way that helped me let go of guilt, that helped help me let go of fear, that helped me to, to feel love in a way <clears throat> that I never imagined possible for, excuse me. <clears throat> but um, they went beyond that. And in the subsequent experiences, uh, the message moved into an understanding of, of how this world is constructed, what creates the separation between this world and the experience of heaven, and then the, the mechanism <clears throat> what it is that we go through individually and as a society and as a world in order to cross that bridge from being in the state we find ourselves now to going and being in a space where we can feel that heavenly love while still in our earthly bodies. And so what were some of those things that they told you about, about that? <laughs> so this, most of this happened in my second experience. And so in, in the book, it's just, it's very clearly labeled so anybody that wants to go into a lot of detail can, um, <clears throat> but uh, I spent several hours on the other side during this experience. And most of that conversation was with Jesus. And he was showing me, he showed sort of showing me my own life and kind of all the details up to the present moment. And then he started showing me what was coming after. And the, one of the things that I perceived, because, because, when we talk about people seeing things on the other side, it's, it's different than how we see things in this world. Um, there is a, it's like an experiential type learning where uh, you're having an experience that's larger than life. And that experience, it's, it's almost like you could, you could pack lifetimes of information into it, into, into a single moment, but your mind has been expanded to where you can understand it all. And in this, in the context of the conversation, and there's still this dialogue that's going on, like, like how you and I are talking right now, but there's also this experiential understanding that's unfolding outside of the, the words that are being spoken. So as he's talking to me, he's showing me the world and he's showing me all these different people all over the face of the earth. And I saw them almost like little lights on the face of the earth. And there was an understanding that people in all different cultures and religions were having experiences with heaven, similar to what I was having. And some of them were, were a dramatic, like the way that I was having it. And some of them were not quite as dramatic. Like they were happening in, in still moments of prayer or meditation where the mind is quieted and they start to perceive something that's a little bit larger than what they understood about themselves before. But I saw all these people on the face of the earth. <clears throat> and what I saw was that there is a 
understanding, like a collective understanding that across the earth that has to do with how we see ourselves, how we see others, how we see the divine, and that that understanding is limited. I saw that um, there was fear, there was guilt, there was shame tied into all of this understanding, and that this heaviness of fear and guilt and shame um, went into creating a, a perception of distance between us and God. Not that there actually was distance, but that, that our entire experience here in this world was perceived as being in a, a fallen state or being in a state where we're, we're feeling suffering. And, and it's very real for all of us here. But I saw that it was almost like an illusion built up of all these beliefs that were shared, that we weren't separate the way that people often tend to look at each other, but that our, we had a shared field of beliefs that we plugged into. And that each one of these individuals who was then coming through that veil of unbelief, coming through that veil of fear, guilt, and shame, they were experiencing heaven in a way, experiencing love in a way that started to undo the illusion. <clears throat> they could no longer hold on to the illusion or, or power it. And that as enough of these people from, the, from various cultures came through that veil, it started to weaken it for everybody else who was left in the world. And eventually it got so weak that the whole of humanity that was left on the earth came through into that loving space all at once, all together. So it's almost like I've heard talk of uh, an enlightenment period or that things are, are changing uh, in a rapid way. And that it's like it's been happening over the last 20, 20 years, some odd years, and that people are becoming more enlightened they are experiencing heaven in a different way and what you're saying is all of that is by design and the collective and as more people do that it becomes more and bigger and eventually that will overtake the negative is that right exactly that and overtake the negative in such a way that the whole structure collapses so that it's just not there anymore and so the whole of humanity at that point comes through. And, you know, in, in some of the interviews I've done, I've, I've talked to people and, and there's this misunderstanding thinking that it's everybody else in the world <clears throat> that needs to let go of their hurt and their suffering and their, their judgment. But that's not really how it is. It's, it's just, it's, it's a smaller number of individuals um, who wake up first, who start going through that veil, start experiencing heaven in their bodies now. And again, it, there, there's the dramatic, like the visions that I've had, but there's also just the everyday people who are in their meditations, their prayers, their reflective periods. They're starting to get that sense. There's a feeling inside, like there's just something more than what they can put their finger on. And every time that they go into that space of perceiving, intuiting that something more, it weakens the structure of the fear, guilt, and shame that has held together our world the way that it's been held together. So yes, the whole thing collapses, and that, that's what I was shown. That's an exciting uh, moment to have that happen, because in on my independence report, the tagline I use underneath that is declaring our freedom from hate, division, and fear, which is the same thing that you're talking about, just a, a few different words. Because I, in my in my humble opinion, if we can eliminate hate, division, and fear, and understand that we are all one, and that we are all part of God that everything will change for us. Everything will change uh, worldwide. 
It's, it's exactly that. And, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people that their conception of heaven is it's, <clears throat> it's a place we go, that you're going to get somewhere. It's like going to Las Vegas or something. And, and now we're going to be happy, but um, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's not how that works. It's not a place so much as a state of understanding. It's, it's, an, it's a mindset. And the mindset that exists in the heavenly space is one of radical kindness towards self and others. And <clears throat> it's, it's, there's this uh, illusion almost that you are feeling this incredible bliss-like love on the other side because you're in the presence of God. And, and you are, but there's this thought that God is the one that's giving it to you. Because in that state of, of understanding, you're still seeing God as separate from you. And <clears throat> But what I've learned as I continue to analyze these experiences and understand them is that it's, it's the being in the presence of God that allows you to finally be kind to yourself. And I'm, I'm not just talking about a little bit of kindness, but so much kindness that your whole being is erupting in just unimaginable bliss that you have finally resolved all of the problems and the difficulties in your inner being and you're looking at all of it, not in saying, oh, it didn't happen, or I wish it didn't happen, but just with absolute compassion, with love, with, wow, that is the most beautiful and, and sacred experience imaginable. Now, when you can look at yourself that way, <clears throat> it provides you with the space to start looking at other people, overcoming all of that judgment, that hate, because there's no way, if, if you can release all of the judgment for self, there's no way to judge another person. You can't do it. If you can embrace self with absolute acceptance in whatever your life experience is, whatever your spiritual experience is, then you can look at anybody else in this world and just give them the biggest hug ever and just say, you are the most beautiful person on the face of this planet. And it doesn't matter how much difference might have divided you before. You can see it. And so the more that people can see themselves, the more they give permission to others to step into that same liberation to be kind to themselves and others in ways that, that doesn't just feel like, wow, this is a nice Sunday afternoon, but that, <laughs> or morning as the case may be, <clears throat> but in ways that, that liberates just unimaginable joy, love, and bliss. And so th this is a collective effort. It's not just one of us doing it. It's each person that's hearing this, who, who, who comes through into a slightly different perception of self, of God and of others around them. Everybody in this planet has a role to play in that. So it is something that we do together. Would you please repeat that? <laughs> uh, that is one of the most important things that I've heard, like, you know, I don't know, like ever. Because um, <laughs> it's, it is, it is, so repeat that. I want, if so if you're, if you're driving in your car, I want you to turn up the radio, stop talking and listen. Say it again, Brent. Oh, on the spot. <laughs> so, um, just that this whole idea that we cannot love ourselves without loving others. And it's this funny thing where people think if you love yourself, that you're going to end up being selfish. And I'm not talking about that kind of, of um, selfishness. Selfishness is just covering up the hurts inside of yourself where you have yet to heal, where you've yet to feel love. What I'm talking about is actually uncovering all of those spaces that selfishness covers up, looking at the deepest hurts in you, looking at the, the 
biggest shames that you've ever had and just sitting down the way that you've always wanted to be treated and saying, I see you. Just embracing that part of yourself, giving it a big hug and saying, I love you. And being present with yourself in the way that you've always wished that a friend or a lover or a parent or even God would have been. Because that's that's really the experience that we have on the other side is that someone is finally showing you how to do that for yourself. Because if you can't love yourself, you can't can't love love somebody else. You can't do it. You have to love yourself because any time that you are showing love for somebody else or, or think that you're showing love for somebody else, you're doing it through your filters. You're doing it through your own judgments of self. And this is, this is why Jesus said to judge not, lest you be judged. He's not coming out in this, this Christian mentality of, you know, fear God because he's going to not like you. It's more of you can't comprehend the love that is inside of you until you stop judging yourself. And when you stop judging yourself, there's no more judgment left for other people. You can't give yourself that mercy without also giving everyone else that same mercy. We're talking with Brent <laughs> Satterfield. <laughs> you got it. I had I lost it, right? It was right there. He has written the book. Uh, um, uh, he's written the book, Bringing Heaven Home. It's been out about a month. Go to Amazon, and you must get this book. It is. It's. It's remarkable. I. It's. It's. I'm getting chills just sitting here talking with you, uh, because your what you're saying is so important for humanity, for us moving forward and getting rid of, in my in in my vernacular, hate, division, and fear. Um, and if we do that and understand that we're all one. Then we can come together. Um, it's just, I, it's a beautiful thing that you're saying. And and I got to tell you, I know a little bit about your past. Your past wasn't always wonderful, hunky dory, and a bowl of cherries and and honey and stuff. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. Uh, we need to take a break real quick. And we're t- you're listening to KKNW 11:50 a.m. Martha Norwalk's Animal World on the path to good health and well-being. Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. And welcome back to Martha Norwalk's Animal World. It's the last Sunday of the month, which means it's Positive Talk Sunday with Kevin McDonald. And today we've got Brent Satterfield. He is a Ph.D. He actually nodded because I said his name correctly, which is good. Uh, he He's written the book, Bringing Heaven Home. Please, I implore you, get that book. Um, it's only been out a month. He's he's got a, a whole world of expertise. Now we've talked about your scientific background that you work with DNA and you help uh, people understand diseases and and how that works. And I, I said that better this time than last time, which is good. And uh, um, but and we've talked about your experiences on the other side with talking with heaven, but we haven't talked about the foundation of of when you were a kid and it's in your book about some of the trials and tribulations that you had when you were a child and that you had a lot of work to do to of forgiveness for yourself and others in your life isn't that true yes it is so tell us a little bit about it so my childhood i I don't want to say it was particularly rough because you actually had two parents that were there for me they loved me 
Um, but probably like many children in this world, our parental love is sometimes it's, it's not quite the same as heavenly love. And so I, I had a dad that he was um, incredibly present in my life, which is a wonderful thing in today's day and age. Uh, he was also had very high standards, standards that I could never quite meet up to. And so if, if I got anything less than 100% on a test, uh, the question was just, why did you miss that one problem? It's like, yes, you got a 98, but instead of being happy for me, it was, why did you mess this up? <laughs> or, or even if I got 100, why did you miss the extra credit? And so that was my kind of childhood growing up. And uh, it was, and I also grew up in the South where the idea of, of um, spare the rod, spoil the child was kind of there. And so you, you get a lot of spankings. And so there's a lot of, uh, this is going to hurt you or hurt me more than it hurts you <laughs> kind which, of going on. Which, by the way, I know for a fact isn't true because it hurt my kids far more than it hurt me. Oh, yes. <laughs> Um, so I, I grew up in that culture, that mentality where love was expressed with the backside of one's hand. And as a 14 year old, I, I don't know, I've, I've never been a very submissive person <laughs> or, or maybe just enough, enough spankings kind of put me in that mindset, but, um, got to the space where I'd had enough. Um, I was 14 years old. My dad and I ended up getting a fist fight and I left home. Um, after that, at, yeah, at fourteen. Oh, mackerel! That's 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 young. How did how did you survive? <laughs> well, I ended up coming back home, but oh. after I'd made some changes in my relationship with my dad, and so I ended up creating a lot of space where he became a hands-off dad. So all up to that point in time, he was very involved, and then from the time I was like fourteen to twenty-one. Um, I, I had a space to live, but no boundaries whatsoever, which may be just as harmful, if not more harmful as, as the other side. And so, uh, and plus, I mean, once being, in, I, I was introduced to the space of no boundaries, I'm doing everything I can to get back at my dad. It's, it's like this thought of, um, what would hurt him the most? <laughs> and so that's kind of how I made my life decisions as a teenager, which probably is not a good model to follow. <clears throat> And ended up in a lot of trouble, ended up being very uh, suicidal um, and a lot of a lot of problems as a teenager, for sure. And and you talk about the, the, the fact that you were suicidal. How'd you get out of it? <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm not sure how it works for other people, if if that's something that they get out of altogether. But there it's something that actually stayed with me for much of my life. And. I think some of my experiences on the other side really went into this because it starts looking at the, the fundamentals of, of self-hatred. And I don't think that most people would call it self-hatred because it's not like you're going around that throughout the day, or at least most of us aren't going around throughout the day saying, I hate myself, you know, but there will be these negative emotions that arise without even knowing why, why they're showing up, where they're coming from. I mean, you can just be driving down the street <clears throat> and all of a sudden you're having these negative emotions of my life is terrible and I wish I wasn't here. And um, because there's this, this huge subconscious network of beliefs and understandings that, that were put in place well before you were an adult able to work through these types of things. 
And so it was in that heavenly space where I felt Jesus taking me into my own self-hatred, looking into events from my early life, um, beliefs that formed about myself and about the world around me, and coming to understand that those it's like seeing the reason why the beliefs came into being. It's like, yes, I, I was a three-year-old. What else was I supposed to think? And to, and I mean, seriously, this is kind of like, we're thinking that these life interviews on the other side are all serious. And, and maybe for some people they are because they want that kind of experience. But um, for the most part, these experiences are liberating. It's, it's going back into your life and understanding what made you the way that you are. And in understanding that, feeling the release, because you realize that you are never what you thought you were. You were always this incredibly loving being that just got trapped inside of really twisted or distorted beliefs and mindset. And so this whole process was kind of taking me inside and looking at these events from my early childhood, looking at the beliefs that were formed, looking at how those beliefs shaped my actions, looking at how those actions shaped further beliefs and went into contributing a whole mindset. And then, and it's not just you, because it's also what your parents gave you, like that your parents had certain attitudes and mindsets that went into shaping who and what you became. And so seeing down to the root of all that, and then being able to let it go, to find an inner peace. You know, sometimes I get validations just from listening to this show. So I'm... (laughs) Thank goodness that I get to do it as well, because um, what you're talking about is what I call um, we're listening. We're believing the stories that we tell ourselves from what happened before that have no relation to reality. We believe that when we were three years old, somebody told us something or when your dad was was in my case, my dad was not not really present in and so uh except for my sports but other than that he wasn't really involved in yours your dad was so involved that nothing was quite good enough um in 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 my case on the other side um uh, she was uh she didn't want to compliment me because she didn't want to give me a big head so we listen to these stories we take them as fact and I had to go back and look at it and go, wait a minute. My mother was a 28-year-old woman. When she was saying this stuff, she was just barely out of diapers herself. And she's trying to tell me all of these things that I've taken to heart about who I am. And none of it has any relationship to anything. None of it's valid. And all of it is is based upon what we believe we were told. I, I, I carried a belief that a six-year-old kid told me when I was six and I believed it for a good portion of my life. And it's like, how stupid is that? The kid was six. What did he know? I I had one that came from watching the incredible Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to make me mad. (laughs) I I understand. I understand. And I am so pleased that number one, that, that you've come out the other side. Um, but also that you've written this book, Bringing Heaven Home, because as it's only been out a month and you've already gotten validations that this is the book that you should be reading. Um, and by the way, my camera just fell down, but that's okay. <laughs> Nobody else can see it anyway, so I'll fix that in the break. Um, but uh, um, 
Bringing Heaven Home is the name of the book. Go to Amazon, pick it up. It is a, it, it's a fascinating book uh, for what he has done in his and his life. Speaking of which, now that you are where you are and you've written the book, what's next for you? What do you think is going to happen next? So I'm spending the next number of months <clears throat> just uh, presenting the book, promoting it to, to make to make it possible for people who want to understand these concepts to have access to them. And another piece of this puzzle is once you start recognizing that there is this huge gap in kindness between how we, we treat ourselves here versus how we treat ourselves in the heavenly state, um, <clears throat> sometimes people don't know where to begin to, to dive into all of that inner space, all of those beliefs that help them become what they are today. They don't know how to start unraveling that knot. And so I'm working with a group of people at Inner World Movement who are, um, who are providing coaching and uh, sessions and other things to, to help individuals develop the skills, learn the skills necessary to go in and start unwinding this knot of beliefs that were formed from childhood and from the beliefs of our ancestors. If somebody can, if, can somebody join you or, or participate in that group? Absolutely. So innerworldmovement.com, they can find uh, how to contact me, how to contact others I'm associated with working in this. And, and it's not just us. I mean, you can with friends, with family and in a safe space, where you have somebody who knows how to truly listen without judgment, you can work through this. And this is a big part of the subtitle of the book of we were never meant to do it alone is, is that, you know, releasing this burden. So many of us have been carrying it alone for far too long, but just be, whether it's a therapist or a friend or a group like ours at inner, inner world movement, um, you have that space to start exploring and learning together with other people, finding out that you're not alone. That, that each of us has gone through a very similar path that we all have healing to do and that that's okay, that we can embrace ourselves in the midst of that healing process and heal together. And the name of the group again is inner world movement. And so they can go to, cause here's, here's what I'm sensing is that there are a lot of people out here that are, have a spiritual yearning to make their lives different than what it is today, but they don't have the support group around them to make that happen. And this is what that is, correct? That's exactly what that is, is because we can start to gain an understanding of, wait, my life could be different, but where do I begin? How do I start that process? Where do I find the support group to help me move through that? And oftentimes when people get to that place where they want to change something in their life or they don't feel that it has gone according to plan and they feel like they are less than and they want to become more than um, and, and they want to have a more of a spiritual uh, upbringing and a spiritual life, they don't know how to do it because they don't have the structure around them. This can give them that structure and you can uh, work with people and it's virtual. It's over the phone. It's over Zoom, I assume. Yes. At least until the, the COVID restrictions <laughs> let up, but yes. <laughs> and then I, I predict that there are going to be chapters all over the country. So oh, yes, it, for sure. Give it to me again, the, uh, the website. Innerworldmovement.com. And I, I, if, if you want my opinion, I, I wholeheartedly support it. 
um, and believe that that is a really cool thing for you to go do. If you feel that, uh, well, first of all, if you, if you feel less than, if you feel like you're tired of your life the way it is and you want to make a change in it or you feel like this, you, that you're suicidal or you have any other of these problems, this, this is just having somebody to talk to uh, that understands where you are and wants to help you get to where you want to go. Um, This is one of those groups, right? Yes. And I want to make a note too, because you're talking about these people who are feeling really stuck or hurt or um, those are the individuals who most need to feel that their voice matters, that they matter. Uh, and that is one of the things that I've felt the most from the other side is just this, this desire to express, especially to those who feel like they haven't been seen, they haven't been heard. They're just this small voice, but to say to them, yes, you matter. Absolutely. You are loved, you are seen, and your whole experience here is important for all of us. We've been talking with Dr. Brent Satterfield. Please get the book, Bringing Heaven Home. It can change the nature of your life. It can lead you in a different way. It can lead you in a different path. And uh, and one of, of love and acceptance and getting together. Dr. Brent, we have to go because we're up against the top of the hour. But I want to thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you, too, Kevin. And, and Nathan. Yeah, and Nathan, Nathan made it possible for us to do all of this. So please, Bringing Heaven Home is the name of the book. Go to Amazon, pick it up. It's not very expensive. It's a good read, and it will help you do a lot of stuff. And we will return after the top of the hour. Georgie Woodbine is going to be with us. Georgia Woodbine is going to be with us, and she is a motivational speaker and is a wonderful lady, and we're going to have some laughs and have a good time. So, uh, Dr. Brand, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.